Section six of the Letters of Jane Austen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Letter thirteen. Steventon, Monday, January twenty first. My dear Cassandra, I will endeavour to make this letter more worthy your acceptance than my last, which was so shabby a one that I think Mr. Marshall could never charge you with the postage. My eyes have been very indifferent since it was written, but are now getting better once more, keeping them so many hours open on Thursday night, as well as the dust of the ballroom, injured them a good deal. I use them as little as I can, but you know, and Elizabeth knows, and everybody who has ever had weak eyes knows, how delightful it is to hurt them by employment, against the advice and entreaty of all one's friends. Charles leaves us to-night. The Tamar is in the Downs, and Mr. Daish advises him to join her there directly, as there is no chance of her going to the westward. Charles does not approve of this at all, and will not be much grieved if he should be too late for her before she sails, as he may then hope to get into a better situation. He attempted to go to town last night, and got as far on his road thither as Dean Gate, but both the coaches were full, and we had the pleasure of seeing him back again. He will call on Daish to-morrow, to know whether the Tamar has sailed or not, and if she is still at the Downs, he will proceed in one of the night-coaches to deal. I want to go with him, that I may explain the country to him properly between Canterbury and Rowling, but the unpleasantness of returning by myself deters me. I should like to go as far as Ospringe with him very much indeed, that I might surprise you at Godmersham. Martha writes me word that Charles was very much admired at Kintbury, and Mrs. Lefroy never saw any one so much improved in her life, and thinks him handsomer than Henry. He appears to far more advantage here than he did at Godmersham, not surrounded by strangers, and neither oppressed by a pain in his face or powder in his hair. James christened Elizabeth Caroline on Saturday morning, and then came home. Mary, Anna, and Edward have left us, of course. Before the second went, I took down her answer to her cousin Fanny. Yesterday came a letter to my mother from Edward Cooper, to announce not the birth of a child, but of a living, for Mrs. Lee has begged his acceptance of the rectory of Hamstall Ridware in Staffordshire, vacant by Mr. Johnson's death. We collect from his letter that he means to reside there, in which he shows his wisdom. Staffordshire is a good way off, so we shall see nothing more of them till some fifteen years hence the Miss Coopers are presented to us, fine, jolly, handsome, ignorant girls. The living is valued at a hundred and forty guineas a year, but perhaps it may be improvable. How will they be able to convey the furniture of the dressing-room so far in safety? Our first cousins seem all dropping off very fast. One is incorporated into the family, another dies, and a third goes into Staffordshire. We can learn nothing of the disposal of the other living. I have not the smallest notions of Fulwer's having it. Lord Craven has probably other connections and more intimate ones in that line than he now has with the Kintbury family. Our ball on Thursday was a very poor one, only eight couple and but twenty-three people in the room. But it was not the ball's fault, for we were deprived of two or three families by the sudden illness of Mr. Wither, who was seized that morning at Winchester, with the return of his former alarming complaint. An express was sent off from thence to the family. Catherine and Miss Blackford were dining with Mrs. Russell. 
poor Catherine's distress must have been very great. She was prevailed on to wait till the Heathcotts could come from Wintney, and then with those two and Harris proceeded directly to Winchester. In such a disorder his danger, I suppose, must always be great. But from this attack he is now rapidly recovering, and will be well enough to return to Manydown, I fancy, in a few days. It was a fine thing for conversation at the ball, but it deprived us not only of the Biggs, but of Mrs. Russell too, and of the Boltons and John Harwood, who were dining there likewise, and of Mr. Lane, who kept away as related to the family. Poor man! I mean Mr. Wither. His life is so useful, his character so respectable and worthy, that I really believe there was a good deal of sincerity in the general concern expressed on his account. Our ball was chiefly made up of Gervoises and Terries, the former of whom were apt to be vulgar, the latter to be noisy. I had an odd set of partners, Mr. Jenkins, Mr. Street, Colonel Gervoise, James Digweed, J. Lifford, and Mr. Briggs, a friend of the latter. I had a very pleasant evening, however, though you will probably find out that there was no particular reason for it, but I do not think it worth while to wait for enjoyment until there is some real opportunity for it. Mary behaved very well, and was not at all fidgety. For the history of her adventures at the ball, I refer you to Anna's letter. When you come home you will have some shirts to make up for Charles. Mrs. Davies frightened him into buying a piece of Irish when we were in Basingstoke. Mr. Daish supposes that Captain Austen's commission has reached him by this time. Tuesday. Your letter has pleased and amused me very much. Your essay on happy fortnights is highly ingenious, and the Talibert skin made me laugh a good deal. Whenever I fall into misfortune, how many jokes it ought to furnish to my acquaintance in general, or I shall die dreadfully in their debt for entertainment. It began to occur to me before you mentioned it that I had been somewhat silent as to my mother's health for some time, but I thought you could have no difficulty in divining its exact state, you who have guessed so much stranger things. She is tolerably well, better upon the whole than she was some weeks ago. She would tell you herself that she is a very dreadful cold in her head at present, but I have not much compassion for colds in the head without fever or sore throat. Our own particular little brother got a place in the coach last night, and is now, I suppose, in town. I have no objection at all to your buying our gowns there, as your imagination has pictured to you exactly such a one as is necessary to make me happy. You quite abash me by your progress in knotting, for I am still without silk. You must get me some in town or in Canterbury. It should be finer than yours. I thought Edward would not approve of Charles being a crop, and rather wished you to conceal it from him at present, lest it might fall on his spirits and retard his recovery. My father furnishes him with a pig from Cheesedown. It is already killed and cut up, but it is not to weigh more than nine stone. The season is too far advanced to get him a larger one. My mother means to pay herself for the salt, and the trouble of ordering it to be cured by the spare-ribs, the souse, and the lard. We have had one dead lamb. I congratulate you on Mr. E. Hatton's good fortune. I suppose the marriage will now follow out of hand. Give my compliments to Miss Finch. What time in March may we expect your return in? I begin to be very tired of answering people's questions on that subject, and independent of that, I shall be very glad to see you at home again. And then, if we can get Martha and Shirk, who will be so happy as we? 
I think of going to Ibthorpe in about a fortnight. My eyes are pretty well, I thank you, if you please. Wednesday, the 23rd. I wish my dear Fanny many returns of this day, and that she may on every return enjoy as much pleasure as she is now receiving from her doll's beds. I have just heard from Charles, who is by this time at Deal. He is to be second lieutenant, which pleases him very well. The Endymion is come into the Downs, which pleases him likewise. He expects to be ordered to Sheerness shortly, as the Tamar has never been refitted. My father and mother made the same match for you last night, and are very much pleased with it. He is a beauty of my mother's. Yours affectionately, Jane. Letter 14 13 Queen Square, Friday, May 17th My dearest Cassandra, Our journey yesterday went off exceedingly well. Nothing occurred to alarm or delay us. We found the roads in excellent order, had very good horses all the way, and reached devises with ease by four o'clock. I suppose John has told you in what manner we were divided when we left Andover, and no alteration was afterwards made. At devises we had comfortable rooms and a good dinner, to which we sat down about five. Amongst other things we had asparagus and a lobster, which made me wish for you, and some cheesecakes on which the children made so delightful a supper as to endear the town of Devizes to them for a long time. Well, here we are at Bath. We got here about one o'clock, and have been arrived just long enough to go over the house, fix on our rooms, and be very well pleased with the whole of it. Poor Elizabeth has had a dismal ride of it from Devizes, for it has rained almost all the way, and our first view of Bath has been just as gloomy as it was last November twelvemonth. I have got so many things to say, so many things equally important, that I know not on which to decide at present, and shall therefore go and eat with the children. We stopped in Paragon as we came along, but as it was too wet and dirty for us to get out, we could only see Frank, who told us that his master was very indifferent, but had had a better night last night than usual. In Paragon we met Mrs. Foley and Mrs. Dowdswell, with her yellow shawl airing out, and at the bottom of the Kingsdown Hill we met a gentleman in a buggy, who, on minute examination, turned out to be Dr. Hall, and Dr. Hall in such very deep mourning that either his mother, his wife, or himself must be dead. These are all of our acquaintance who have yet met our eyes. I have some hopes of being plagued about my trunk. I had a few more hours ago, for it was too heavy to go by the coach, which brought Thomas and Rebecca from Devizes. There was reason to suppose that it might be too heavy likewise for any other coach, and for a long time we could hear of no wagon to convey it. At last, however, we unluckily discovered that one was just on the point of setting out for this place, but at any rate the trunk cannot be here till to-morrow. So far we are safe, and who knows what may not happen to procure a further delay. I put Mary's letter into the post-office at Andover with my own hand. We are exceedingly pleased with the house. The rooms are quite as large as we expected. Mrs. Bromley is a fat woman in mourning, and a little black kitten runs about the staircase. Elizabeth has the apartment within the drawing-room. She wanted my mother to have it, but as there is no bed in the inner one, and the stairs are so much easier of ascent, or my mother so much stronger than in Paragon, as not to regard the double flight, it is settled for us to be above, where we have two very nice-sized rooms, with dirty quilts and everything comfortable. 
I have the outward and larger apartment, as I ought to have, which is quite as large as our bedroom at home, and my mother's is not materially less. The beds are both as large as any at Steventon, and I have very nice chest of drawers and a closet full of shelves, so full indeed that there is nothing else in it, and it should therefore be called a cupboard rather than a closet, I suppose. Tell Mary that there were some carpenters at work in the inn at Devizes this morning, but as I could not be sure of their being Mrs. W. Fowle's relations, I did not make myself known to them. I hope it will be a very tolerable afternoon. When first we came all the umbrellas were up, but now the pavements are getting very white again. My mother does not seem at all the worse for her journey, nor any of us, I hope, though Edward seemed rather fagged last night, and not very brisk this morning. But I trust the bustle of sending for tea, coffee, and sugar, etc., and going out to taste a cheese himself, will do him good. There was a very long list of arrivals here in the newspaper yesterday, so that we need not immediately dread absolute solitude, and there is a public breakfast in Sydney Gardens every morning, so that we shall not be wholly starved. Elizabeth has had just a very good account of the three little boys. I hope you are very busy and very comfortable. I find no difficulty in closing my eyes. I like our situation very much. It is far more cheerful than Paragon, and the prospect from the drawing-room window, at which I now write, is rather picturesque, as it commands a prospective view of the left side of Brock Street, broken by three Lombardy poplars in the garden of the last house in Queen's Parade. I am rather impatient to know the fate of my best gown, but I suppose it will be some days before Francis can get through the trunk. In the meantime, I am, with many thanks for your trouble in making it, as well as marking my silk stockings. Yours very affectionately, Jane. A great deal of love from everybody. End of section 6